What happens if I were to find more articulation through my feet? How does that change my relationship with Earth? How does that then change my relationship with the way I look at the world? How do I then change the relationship with the way I relate to someone else when I'm more grounded, when I feel more centered? And then does that allow more connection? Does Mm. that allow more sensitivity, more empathy, more compassion? Mm. So in a way, it's somatic yoga therapy kind of brings everything together to look at little things like, okay, I have back pain. What does it then tell me about my lifestyle? That we can gather a little bit more information about how we want to live our life. Mm. So it's almost like, it feels like it's delving into a layer of a bit of psychology, psychotherapy in a more physical body-like form. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sort of understanding how, why the body is behaving or acting or, Mm -hmm. you know, speaking a certain way, in a way, through pains. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Shift with Shubra. I'm your host, Shubra Venetti. I'm a certified astrologer, as well as an Akashic Records reader and healer. And I am in training to be a hypnotherapist under Marissa Peer's Rapid Transformational Therapy. I have been a sleep consultant for the last three years, and I'm transitioning out of a baby sleep consulting as well as baby sign language. And I am transitioning into these new therapy forms instead. So welcome to the new phase of Shifter Chibra as well as Shibra Venetti's career progression. Our conversations are basically to do with nourishing the mind, body, and soul. We converse with practitioners on a various of topics, usually about their practice. And on today's podcast, we'll be speaking to Daphne Chua. Now, Daphne is a registered yoga therapist. She's also a movement educator, a body worker, and a specialist in somatic therapy. So we're going to be talking a lot about what is somatic therapy, as well as some of the other things that she's indulged in. Daphne applies principles of kinesiology, somatics, trauma physiology, as well as tantric and yoga philosophy in her work. Through therapeutic processes, she helps people cultivate sensory awareness to inhabit their body and embody the adage of a mind-body connection so as to fully experience life. So Daphne is also trained in the art of traditional Thai yoga massage, biodynamic cranial sacral therapy, Tai Chi massage, and Reiki, as well as which is an abdominal detox massage and she infuses all of this into an alchemy of her integrated bodywork offerings and yoga therapy. Daphne incorporates a heart-centered approach, the sensibilities of physiology, somatic education, functional anatomy, pain science, as well as the insights into Eastern philosophies and self-inquiry within her practice. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk to Daphne really about her work, her practice, and diving really into what is somatic yoga therapy or what is somatic yoga and how can it help people and 
who is it for and what you know shifts can it create for a person so i'm really excited for you to join us on today's episode and if you like the content please don't forget to subscribe please share the episode with people that you think might be interested in this kind of work and also there are the links below to listen to this episode on audio on various streaming channels as well as now we have the transcription service so if you would like to just catch the transcription of this episode do look into that that link is also provided and also of course Daphne's links as well as my links in case you're interested in our services that we provide thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy today's episode so hi, Daphne. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on Shift to Chibra. And I think I gave a small brief intro about you, but obviously there's so much that you cover. Just listing out the different trainings that you've done and the different techniques that you're applying can probably just give a lot of audience members going, wow, what is this all about? So perhaps in your words, would you like to maybe talk about what exactly is it that you do? And the different therapies you incorporate into it, and maybe a, a small snapshot of each of those therapies, perhaps. Okay. Oh, wow. That's a very, very a big, long... It's a big question. Big question. What, how about we just start with Daphne? What, what is it that you do, Daphne? <laughs> well, I am a movement educator, a yoga teacher, and I'm also a body worker, therapist of sorts, a somatic therapist of sorts. My business model has changed a little bit, has evolved a little bit in the last uh, year of COVID. I used to do a lot more international teaching, being on the road and offering workshops, trainings and retreats and getting people to get more in tune with their body through movement and movement work and delving into their nervous system. I now have taken this work pretty much 80% now to my home base clinic here in Singapore. So I offer mostly one-on-one work. Of course, I'm still doing the training aspects of things, but it has definitely, the focus in the last year has been much more one-on-one yoga therapy, somatic movement, and body work. So in which I help people to regain functional mobility as well as work through chronic conditions. Some people do come to me with some PTSD work as well. So mental health, I I help people to kind of work with reorganizing their nervous system, regulating their nervous system through the work of movement and touch. And I've been on this journey, I think, since the beginning of 2009. So I was 12 years and counting a little bit more. It all started with yoga that really got me into my body connection. I started practicing yoga more than 20 years ago. At first, as kind of like an escape Mm. from the corporate craziness, it offered me a sanctuary. And then became something more fitness-based as I got more and more into the body asana, flowy, contortionist type work. (laughs) But I've always held a deep interest in more existentialistic inquiries. I I guess it's something that I've grown up with. my, my, My dad has always been a great influence in being able to think for myself, think for ourselves, and not being a conformist in that sense. So I've always been very interested in the human condition and really 
as I delve deeper into yoga, and then I chanced upon modality called Feldenkrais, which is a somatic modality, and that's when things really start to move and evolve with along the way with kind of like every year I feel like I'm doing something different <laughs> and it's been super exciting it's the air that I breathe and the blood that flows in my veins at the moment but yeah so, so that last a, one that you were talking about what was it called I'm going to say it wrongly probably Feldenkrais Feldenkrais F-E-L-D-E-N-K-R-A-I-S Okay, I'm going to put it in the links below, but tell us a little bit how that then changed the perception of yoga for you. What is it exactly? What did it do? Southern Christ is a modality, it's a somatic modality that delves into neuroplasticity. Okay. So instead of focusing on what the end result is or like what the movement is supposed to achieve, you kind of get into this curious, inquisitive state of mind, it really switches your nervous system to to explore the journey mm. rather than focus on what you're going to achieve at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I have to give credit to a friend of mine. Her name is Tara Eden. She lives in Chiang Mai. And at that time, I was living in Chiang Mai. I went to her, her class. And I mean, I've been practicing yoga for a good while at that time but it was really when I had this it was almost like an epiphany I was like oh my god this is I felt so deeply connected to my body I felt so deeply connected to something that was just resting really deep within me so that was the spark if the Feldenkrais modality is called there is the movement part called awareness through movement so basically you're cultivating awareness through movement which is mm-hmm. as literal as that sounds and then there is also the bodywork aspect of it in which very subtle touches were offered to kind of wake up certain areas the neuromotor areas in the in our brain which has been dormant the thing about Feldenkrais also is that you do a lot of repetitive movement in order to kind of like every time you repeat a movement you try to kind of gather new information it's like oh where am i tensing am i clenching my jaw and i you know holding on to my shoulders or is my stomach tightening so it's all these little aspects of new discovery that with every repetition and you gain that and then that allows the brain to reorganize and go do i really need to hold on to this tension do i really need to be this rigid where do i why can i put in a little bit more effort why can i find more ease Mm. so that was really really interesting for me but then i also discovered body mind centering which is a huge huge inspiration and influence into what i am actually currently practicing the work of bonnie bainbridge cohen and in body mind centering we rediscover the body as systems uh, Mm. different like different ecosystems kind of working together like the body is in itself is a universe and then Mm. you look at how we then how the different systems relate to each other and also within the systems every subsystem so we can look at for example our circulatory system and sense into how is our blood flowing within Mm. the arterial blood flow that brings about oxygen that brings about 
you know, this metabolic energy and also the venous blood flow that returns the fluids back to the heart, which is something softer, something slower, something more gentle, something about journeying home. So like these different aspects of uncovering the systems or like finding out feeling embodiment of mm. where our lungs are, how do the lungs sit? in our body, in the front, in the back, in the sides, so there are three lobes on the right, two lobes on the left. And instead of thinking of movement as a musculoskeletal, like, okay, we have to flex the biceps or, you know, eccentric contraction to the lats and all this musculoskeletal way of very linear thinking, we go into more organic expressions and find new ways and new options in which to move to really change the brain because that requires us to move in a very much of what is arising, coming back into a sense of being rather than, you know, we have to do this, we have to think before we act, which is a very top-down approach. The bottom-up approach uh, offers from a neuro or nervous system standpoint, you actually have to tap into the more of the parasympathetic to stimulate the vagus nerve. I can talk a lot about that too. We probably need to talk about what it is actually. Yeah, Mm. yeah. So in which the body itself informs and offers the feedback to our brain. So why Uh, is that important actually? Because I think that's where people might be starting to get lost in perhaps <laughs> is why why is it that the body needs to lead rather than the mind leading well the thing is because we live in a world whereby everything has become very newtonian very linear i mean we are sapiens right i mean our evolution has led us to where we are right now i'm not kind of discounting the value of top-down approach. I think it's a balance of energy. Mm. But I feel that as we shift and, and morph and evolve as a species, and we have become so developed in our frontal lobe, so yep. so kind of entrenched in our top-down patriarchal systems of like we think before we act, right? And then we do the actions first, and then we kind of get into like, Am I feeling this right, wrong, or whatever feelings that is coming through? We think and then act, and often we don't even get into the the feeling, the Mm. sensing feeling part of it. So how do we then be a part of the universe, a part of the planet? How can we then develop a relationship with ourselves and others and people around us and our environment if we are all constantly only going top down? then it creates this sense of separation, this kind of like there's self and there's always an other. And I think that this belief system, as much a value as it has offered us to grow and progress and be able to you know, function, become really high functioning, we have kind of lost a big part of being human and being a part of the whole. And the bottom-up approach of sensing, feeling, and then organizing and acting and then the thinking comes in because then you have all the information then the brain organizes itself so that the doing arises from a sense of being Mm. and to me I find that this is I'm not saying that this is the only way that the world can function but I, I feel like we need to 
also create this more feminine approach to the way we live our life and the way we are relational beings. That as much as there is self, there is also other and whatever our actions are has an impact on others. And then this kind of the law of karma becomes not just something like, you know, people talk about karma, it's just like bad karma, or this is, you did something wrong, this is your karma. But karma in the sense of creation, of Mm. transformation, of energy shifting and morphing forms through our actions, through then, you know, kind of becoming curious about how do we relate to the universe within, within this microcosm, and then how do we then relate to the universe without and that we are all part of the whole, you know, as uh, the greatest philosopher thinker in my mind is uh, Albert Einstein, because E equals to MC squared is the theory of relativity. Energy does not create itself and it doesn't get destroyed. It just shifts and transforms. And I think the work of somatics really help us to embody this, the, the order of nature. Mm. So tell me then in your practice when you work with like somatics and when you're using the somatics as a yoga therapy practice, what is it when someone comes to you? Obviously, they're probably coming to you with a variety. It could be different people coming with different issues. What would you say, maybe perhaps giving the audience an idea of like if they were dealing with XYZ, how is this particular practice enabling or helping them? So, for example, just a very common example of someone's coming through my door would be like back pain, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, in yoga therapy, I combine different uh, modalities. Some uh, registered yoga therapy offers a framework called the Pancha Maya Kosha. In Sanskrit, means that Pancha is five, Maya is the sheath, like the layers, mm-hmm. and Kosha is the body. So Mm -hmm. in yoga philosophy, in one of the Upanishads, it talks about these five layers of the body. Mm -hmm. So there is the physical layer or the gross body that is very visceral, you know, our skin, our muscles, our bones, everything that you can touch and feel and very tangible. And then there is the pranic layer, which Mm. is our energy body. So you can tell, you know, someone walks into the room, do they, do you, you kind of get a sense of like the energetic being. You can look at the color, for example, mm. you know, the skin color, like um, the brightness in their eyes, how they are carrying themselves. Are they coming in, you know, in an expensive, with kind of this vibe of expensiveness or mm. a, a vibe of contraction? Mm. Then there is the emotional body of like the gross emotions. You kind of can get a feel of like where are they at, you know, in terms of their nervous system. Are they in fight flight? Are they Mm. in collapse? Are they disassociative? What kind of issues or challenges are they kind of dealing with, with their life? Then there is the intellectual layer, which is much more conditioned. So it goes into like cultural belief systems, or societal conditioning, who has nurtured us, who, who are the caregivers mm. uh, in our formative years that form our belief systems. And of course, there's a genetic disposition of that and how that interplays with the way we cognitize the world that we live in, what is right, what is wrong. What are our values? What kind of tribe do we do we move around? In? And then there's the the fifth layer, the most subtle layer, and it's called the Ananda Maya. 
which Ananda means bliss. Mm-hmm. And I think in the New Age communities, we're all kind of busy trying to bliss ourselves out. <laughs> but really, it just speaks to what really connects us to that sense of belonging, that sense of knowing that we can trust, we can have faith, that we are much greater than just this self. So someone that comes in with back pain, I'm going to go back to the yeah. <laughs> that condition. We don't just look at, you know, okay, you're having a back pain. Yeah, because you have a herniated disc. Okay, yes, of course, that's a presenting condition. That's definitely something that can be addressed. And from the physical layer, the physical aspect of it, we can really look at, okay, so L4, L5, there may be a, a disc herniation. Then we can kind of look at the way that you are, where is your pelvic position? How are you standing? How are you walking? And then delve into like, if you're walking with your pelvis tucked under, you don't have a lot of, you're not very grounded, then like emotionally, why do you not feel grounded? How can we work together to offer you some kind of grounding? Hmm. Can we work with grounding through, you know, the way you are touching the earth through your feet? If your toes are all prepped up, like this, which I see a lot of people who have back pain, their toes are very grippy or they have bunions or they have their flat footed, they hyperextend their knees. So that changes the relationship in which they move through into gravity and space. Mm. So that gets you into a sense of brace. If you're gripping, you're bracing. So why, what are you bracing? Why are you bracing? And then, you know, just getting them back in touch with their body through that awareness oh actually i am you know gripping my toes do i need to do that what happens if i were to find more articulation through my feet how does that change my relationship with earth how does that then change my relationship with the way i look at the world how do i then change the relationship with the way i relate to someone else when i'm more grounded when i feel more centered and then does that allow more connection does Mm. that allow more sensitivity uh, more empathy more compassion Mm. so in a way it's somatic yoga therapy kind of brings everything together to look at through those little things like okay i have back pain what does it then tell me about my lifestyle yeah that we can gather a little bit more information about how we want to live our life Mm. yeah It feels like it's delving into a layer of a bit of psychology, psychotherapy in a more physical body-like form. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And sort of understanding why the body is behaving or acting or, Mm -hmm. you know, speaking a certain way, in a way, through pains, through whatever it's going through so this could be i'm just for information sake but this could also be for illnesses presumably not just physical conditions such as musculoskeletal pains and stuff but also physical illnesses what types of illnesses have you worked with with this therapy form but the thing is that one it's they're never separate you don't just come in with a back pain without maybe having some sort of digestive issues Mm. or irritable bowel syndrome because they're all at that lower back area as well aren't they yeah exactly exactly yeah or some sort of kind of like an autoimmune condition like fibromyalgia 
which well, another whole podcast we can talk about fibromyalgia. Like, is it real? Is it in the head? Or especially with women who uh, deals a lot with like erratic cycles or pelvic pain. So it's never one thing without the other. So if we're talking about a condition, so like digestive issues, generally, if you have digestive issues, that means you're generally quite, you, you suffer from bloating. And if you're bloated, your back is going to be pulled quite tightly. Your spine is going to be in a, in a bit of tightness there. So, and then we can look at if you're constantly, you have your belly is bloated and you're being pulled into more into the front of your body, then your back body is contracting. So how do we then look open up the back body so that you can rest and find your back body so look at more how do you rest in the back again so we can look at connective tissues and because connective tissue through the the fascia matrix that interweaves into all the muscles and the organs and our blood vessel and our nerves we can then create more of like where can we open up the back body more can we work through the lungs can we work through maybe the hip flexors so that your hip flexors are not your quadriceps are not constantly contracting and you are pushing your knees back and that pushes your body forward as if you're going to topple over if someone pushes you so you have lost that grounding just because of digestive issues and then how do that relate to your nervous system if you're constantly in a state of brace, you must be in a state of kind of like hypervigilance. If you don't feel very stable, your belly is being pulled forward, you don't feel very stable, then where are you at in your nervous system? So how can we work with the nervous system to calm you down, to regulate you back into a rest and digest mode. So a framework that I often use is the study of the polyvagal theory, coming back to the vagus nerve that's developed by Dr. Stephen Porges. The look at the ladder, the polyvagal ladder of which where we are at in terms of our nervous system. Are we in activation mode? Are we in a free state? Are we in disassociative state are we in a collapsed state and his study and through this polyvagal theory also kind of brought about the evolution of the human nervous system of the human species as well as the mammalian species to kind of bring us back to where we are today as we develop our nervous system from the most primitive instinct of survival to the highly evolved state of engagement and connection, which is very much inherent in our human nature. We want to connect, we want to engage, we want to mm. care for others. We will bond and defend our tribe, our loved ones, our young ones. So, and it's very, it is through the vagus nerve that really that communication or now it's there's a word called interoception of sensing and feeling how what is happening in our internal landscape bringing this that feedback to our afferent nerve through the nerve that travels back to the brain the brain stem that communicates okay where are we at this very moment how are you feeling mm. what is your breath like 
you know, can you feel your heartbeat? Is your heart beating fast? Am I engaging with you through my eye contact? What is the tone of my voice? So intonation rather than information. Mm. Our intonation conveys a lot more of our, our state of being rather than mm. actually what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think this framework it has been such an extraordinary way of bringing therapy into the forefront of just not just like okay, tell me what your symptoms are, and then this is what you should do, which is a very top-down approach. The polyvagal framework really brings it back into like how are you feeling? What is your relationship? With yourself and with the world, or with your belly, for example, and bring everything into context, and gives you this beautiful balance between like our top-down approach of kind of knowing and doing and mm. using the information we have, and this bottom-up approach of sensing, feeling, and then organizing information. So if we're looking at a disease or we're looking at an illness, but even a palliative condition, so someone who is is a cancer patient, uh, how do we then help to regulate their nervous system knowing where maybe it's a stage four, maybe it could be a stage one, but then it's not so much about which stage, but how do we regulate their relationship with their condition, their body? And we work in that aspect. So it's not so much of a cognitive behavioral therapy, which mm. is common and much more mainstream. This is really working through the body to change our brain. And because the body is our brain, I feel that this aspect is still pretty. I don't want to say it's pretty new, but it's mm. still a little bit counterculture in the sense that. Mm. We love top-down stuff, right? We love yeah. to be able to label things and organize things and put them into boxes and know. We want everything to be known. If yeah. you have this, this is the solution. If you have that, that's the solution. That's why we have a lot of quick fixes. We have a lot of pills that we pop, a lot of supplements, <laughs> a lot of fancy gadgets. But this work is much more. You can't be lazy. So then, is it safe? Is it probably right to say that you know? It's definitely not necessarily like a one session type of thing for like depending obviously on the issue that you're coming, what's the you know the grade of the issue, the intensity, how long it is, is it chronic, is it acute, is it related to so many is it related to other things, or is it more complex rather than just the one thing that it's mm. you know going into something like somatic yoga therapy is probably not a, a one-stop solution like oh i just go for one session and then that's it i'm fixed and cured miraculously yeah yeah it's definitely not a one session thing but i, I believe that the one session you know one session can uncover that like you can uncover so many things if you're like oh my god i have been you know holding tension for the last i don't know x number of years it, you know, by through my pelvic floor, or I've been kind of clenching my fists, and, or there are some retained reflexes that have not been integrated since birth. And I think, like, usually in the first session, we don't even go that deep into, like, you know, what is actually your deepest, darkest secrets, you know. Although I love to 
kind of delve into that aspect of things, but there's a lot of titration involved into like, you know, we see what's showing up, what's showing up. And then you let's say if you come once a week, we see what's showing up for you every week. And don't look at it as a linear path. It's not like, okay, you're going to be cured and you're going to be good as new, but kind of like become curious of your own journey and start to create that self-agency in like, hey, I know that nothing is actually permanent, you know, the, the sense of impermanence, that everything is, the only constant is change. But I know that if I can manage my diet, for example, or if I can create a little bit more articulation through my feet, or I have a little bit more hip mobility, I won't have to suffer through so much pain, or Mm. I can move with more ease. And if I can move with more ease, I have more capacity, I am more resourced to face the world. So I think like there are people who come for one session and I do offer uh, one session, one off body work, which kind of I call it like a tune up in which I try to kind of align the different systems and, uh, and get, you know, get the spinal alignment back online and, you know, put the head back into position. And of course, that being one session, you can feel quite a lot of difference from when you come in to when you leave my office. But very much of this work is really informing our nervous system what is possible, what are the possibilities. And I often tell my clients, like, you know, just tune into when does the little niggles come in again? When do you get triggered again? When do you start bracing again? And how much integration time do you allow yourself to notice that? Because it can come back the next day. Yeah. Right? I'm, not, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fixer. <laughs> it can come back the next day if, you know, something traumatic happens or if you're so trigger happy that easily you go back home and your kids misbehave and you're back in that. <gasps> so it really depends because, as I said, this work requires a lot of self-agency it gives you self-agency which means that you have to also do the work and the work that you have to do is the awareness that you afford yourself the time in which you allow for integration and resourcing if you come in to expect to be fixed and you know i want to do the work just come and fix me then it will always just serve as a fix it's really Mm. how you want to take it and how far do you Mm. Would you be able to share some stories of some client stories, maybe on like who you've worked with and what they've gotten out of this from when they first saw you to, you know, towards the end of your work with them? Yeah, I guess I could share a story of the like the high power corporate executive who came in to see me because of fatigue and back pain. Fatigue and back pain. Yeah, he was one of my first. He is still my client. I was my, one of my first clients since the reopening of phase two, and uh, he came in. It was uh, yeah, he was in quite a pretty bad shape. Like see that there was so much bracing in his body, like his lower back and ribs were so tight, and there was like the eyes. His eyes was just like spelling off like 
I need to sleep and for a long time. <laughs> I think within the first session, we kind of were able to realign his spine a little bit and get him to feel the possibility of a body that is not constantly bracing, a body that is in touch with gravity. Then he realized, I guess, through the last year, and he's, we're still working together, that because he hasn't traveled, he was able to commit himself to doing this work. He's now able to find at least 10 minutes, whenever there's space in the schedule, to, to stretch and to be in touch with his body. He is now realizing before how this chronic fatigue and chronic stress was affecting the way he was relating to his staff and his family. And I mean, I'm not saying that he's a perfect being, he's fully enlightened, but because of these little realizations in the work that we, we do together, and the fact that, you know, COVID's blessing is that people are grounded in one place and is able to see the importance of some sort of discipline and routine and the, the discipline of also creating time for your self-resourcing and time for self, time to be with your body, time to give yourself a little bit of bottom-up moments of sensing and feeling and moving. That realization of how disconnected, uh, disembodied we were, even that realization moves and shifts things around. And he's now in a new role and in a new job, a better one, a much more, a higher paying one, uh, according to <laughs> And like, he still goes through life with, as life does, with its own set of challenges, but he's now actually stopped or cut down a lot on alcohol intake. He's really mindful, much more mindful about his diet. He is in a very healthy relationship with his partner. And I, I don't know, I, I always tell my friends like, oh, he came in looking a mess. And now, you know, he's actually a really attractive, charismatic man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I do see these changes. It, mm. I think like if, if there was a before and after, the difference will be quite apparent. But that is only also because he has put in the work. Mm. So it's a collaboration. Yeah. I mean, so then in terms of like what type of clients do you like to see? Or like what is the kind of work that you love doing when you're doing this type of work? Who are you looking for to help I, or work with? It's funny because many people ask me that question, like who is your target audience? And... <laughs> I honestly don't really have an answer for that because I think I'm happy to work with anybody that wants. I think it's more the other. I should flip the question around. It's more like whether you are ready to come back to yourself, come back to your sense of self, your sense of being. So I've worked with babies. I've worked with children. I've worked with 90-plus-year-old people. I have worked with corporate execs. I have worked with a dishwasher, you know, someone who cleans the table at a hawker center. So it really, I don't know really how to kind of categorize it. Is there any limitation on this? Like who can you not work with perhaps? Is there any? I guess myself. <laughs> it's like trying to tickle yourself, right? I mean, <laughs> I have... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I have a, a, my own practice, my self care. But sometimes it, it is challenging when you have to kind of like you, you deal with all this work and then you you come back to yourself and go like, so how do I then be my own healer? Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But in terms of like, you know, you obviously, work, you, that means you work with pregnant women, you work with children, mm-hmm. you work with seniors, male, female, no difference. There is no illness or physical impairment or any intellectual ability, yeah. perhaps even mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. It, you know, prevents a person from getting this work done for them. Yeah. So it's really open to every yeah. person. I feel, yeah, and that's the universal versatility of this work because we all have the human condition, right? Mm. And it, we are all relational beings. So mm. it's all about kind of bringing that perspective of relationships back into our cognitive mind, right? Hey, we are relational. You know, I have a relationship with my hand. <laughs> I have a relationship with my thumb. Yeah. Know? And and creating and because it's relational, then there is kind of a separation. Mm. Not a separation to it to be able to kind of see things as they are, to see to understand ourselves with a little bit more care, compassion. So and we all need that. I mean so that's why I can't really say if there's a certain type of audience that I prefer. Actually, I really love people who walked in with, you know, that's not into yoga, not into anything new aging, not into any of this like philosophical existentialistic stuff. They just come in and fix my back pain, you know? Because <laughs> I see that as like real potential of like how deep can we go? Because I think that we all, every single person has that capacity. Yeah, and so then what's the shift that you'd like to create with the work that you're doing then? I mean, you've kind of covered it a lot, I think, but like, if you could summarize it. (laughs) The shift is really just getting people to feel. And I think like being able to step into the feeling realm instead of just the thinking mind is huge. Mm. So if people were to ask me what I do, I just often say that I teach people how to feel. Yeah, at the moment, I am hoping to shift my work more into teaching again, going back mm-hmm. into teaching and being able to share my clinical experience through working so intensely the last COVID year and being 12 years in this work to share that experience and knowledge that I have and, and create more shifts on a, a slightly more ambitious scale. Mm. And uh, yeah, just going back into offering this work through the form of education and definitely hoping to target and going back to target audience, target more practitioners in the field who are holding space for people. So Mm. like yourself, healthcare workers, mental health workers, yoga teachers, movement educators, fitness practitioners to understand a little bit more about the my body aspect and how we can create this shift together and look at everybody and i mean body in the literal sense and in the metaphorical holistic sense as a human being who, who suffers you know who suffers the human condition and especially in the healthcare sector in, in allopathic western medical fields whereby 
drugs were prescribed and you know everything is specialized okay you have back pain you go to a spine specialist orthopedic you have feet problems you go to a podiatrist you have uh, kidney issues you see a renal specialist where everything is so specialized but then how do we come back to not seeing someone as the symptom but as mm. the whole being Mm. And then learning uh, to be trauma sensitive, like in terms of our communication, in terms of the way we relate, how do we communicate with more, more empathy, more sensitivity, and more care? I feel that that is a little lacking at the moment. And with COVID highlighting so much on the mental health aspects of people, of the way we live the new normal, I think it's, it's really imperative that we try to really be more empathetic, be more mm. passionate in which the way we provide care and therapy to our patients, to our clients, to our students, to people who come through the door that in a body, mm. uh, all with a mind. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I mean, just speaking from my own experience, I think, you know, when I've worked with Daphne and I'm still working with Daphne, it's just been really like... I it's sometimes really hard to talk about like how it works because it's working on so many levels. It is a very manual based type of therapy, but at the same time, it's not so manual based therapy, if that makes sense. Like, it's not like you're deeply massaging me to the point of excruciating pain. That's not, it's manual in a different way because you manipulate my body, but you don't like, you know, push the living life out of me with your, (laughs) with your hands. But it's incredibly relaxing at the same time. It's so interesting to feel your whole body finally come together, especially I think in my case where it feels like every part of my body is off on its own sort of journey. Like my head is there, my shoulders are there, my pelvis is there, my legs are here. And then I come to Daphne and then she goes, okay, now you're like one body (laughs) and you're all working together (laughs) and you're all touching the ground now at the same time. And so if you are anything like me and you feel a little bit like parts of you are in different spaces, then perhaps seeing Daphne for a session would be great. Of course, as she said, she works with people with, you know, who may have different illnesses from autoimmune to physical, just physical issues like pain, but also children and those with, you know, special requirements and needs and things like that as well. So I just want to take the opportunity to thank Daphne for coming on Shifter Chibra and explaining about her practice. We will be putting her details down in the notes below. So thank you so much, Daphne, for coming on. Thank you, Shubra. Mm-hmm.